Welcome everyone to a brand new Ian Hates Conversations Music Edition. My special guests tonight are Evan Hildebrandt and Kyle Davis of Eternal Void. Both play guitar and more, but we'll get into that and much more in the conversation. The deluxe reissue of their album Catharsis comes out on March 2nd through Tragic Hero Records. It's a really great album and I'm going to keep this intro short because I want to give you a taste of it and get to the conversation. So first up, here's Lie Awake, and I'll see you after the conversation with Evan and Kyle. Enjoy.
All right, everyone, and welcome back. I am very excited tonight because I am here with Evan Hildebrandt and Kyle Davis of the band Eternal Void. Guys, how are you doing tonight? Doing good. Rocking and rolling, man. Rocking and rolling, dude. How's it going? Very nice. I am not doing too bad. How did you like my little, like, radio personality that I put on there? It sounded professional. I like it. It made me feel comfortable. (laughs) Yeah, really welcomed me into your arms, so that's exciting. I feel like I can say anything now. So I need to be sitting with a a nice glass of whiskey in front of a fire or something. That is always the ambiance that I try to set. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice, guys. But... Since we did, I'm going to break this fourth wall and I'm going to Deadpool this. We did go ahead and talk before we started the conversation, you know, get to know each other a little bit. And I know that you guys aren't sitting by a fire. You guys are outside <laughs> in, a wa- in a Walmart parking lot right now, correct? Correct. Yeah, yeah. so I, I got here a little before Evan did and there's a bunch of cop cars around right now. And I actually watched a, a literally a kid get tackled because he stole this lady's purse <laughs> running out of the Walmart. Wow. And then so there's like two or three cop cruisers around here now just driving around. It's pretty wild. It's uh, getting lit right now. So. so like we mentioned earlier, keep the audio rolling. But if we have to stop, it's because there's cops going, hey, what's going on, guys? <laughs> so hopefully that doesn't happen, though. Everyone's fingers are crossed right now. Yes. I think we'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so... Where are you located? Are you guys in Ohio right now? Yes, we are. Technically, right now we're in Franklin, but let's just call it Dayton, just sure. to you know, just for the sake of it. So now, while you're there, what's your normal every day? Are you guys getting ready? I know we're going to talk about obviously Catharsis is being reissued with Tragic Hero Records. By the way, congratulations for signing with Tragic Hero. That's really awesome. Thank you. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, we've been working at it for quite a while so it's kind of nice to to be at this point you know we like tragic a lot they're they're pretty solid people so we're stoked to be working with them you know it's nice to be signed to a label that you actually want to be signed to right well why don't you go ahead and name all the labels that you don't like (laughs) Ooh, Uh, that's uh i don't know plead the fifth (laughs) i don't know we've we've gotten like a lot of offers over the years Mm -hmm. from like kind of like those you know, those no-name labels or like basement labels as i call them and not that there's anything necessarily wrong with that right it's just the fact of if you send me a contract and it's a paragraph that's a red flag right, <laughs> yeah. right. it's like what are you going to do that i can't you know do with my uh you know three or four hours when i get home for yeah. whatever i'm doing for the day you know i get a little more substance than that yeah or you know is it I, I don't know. Is it just, hey, we're going to post on Facebook about you every once in a while? Right. And I'm not pointing anybody out you know, no. in particular. It's just kind of, hey, you know, you, if you're going to make a, a, a sign a contract, you got to make it worth your while. Right. Exactly. So how did that, and we might as well actually skew there for a second anyways. Sure. How did that go about that back and forth with Tragic where you're like, hey, this is what we need. And they go, yes, we can give you this. Um, it actually really wasn't all, all that bad. Good. Um, it, it not at all. It was just, you know, an email conversation here, you know, a contract form there. And then we would kind of read through it together as a group, just kind of, so here's what we like. Here's what maybe we want to adjust here a little bit. And then we would just go back and forth with us and the label, real friendly, real casual. And then, you mm-hmm. know, finally we got to a point where everybody on both sides of the table felt happy with it. And then we kind of just went from there. Right. It's just like any other business thing. I mean, you got to, 
you can't go in the business and just be out 100% for yourself. You're not going to get far with that. So if you right. can please both sides and, you know, come to an agreement, which, you know, we did. So that's that's pretty good. They're Like I said, they're pretty easy to work with and pretty chill people. So no complaints there. Yeah, that's really great to hear. And I know they're a great label as well. I like working with them. So that's awesome to hear. So with Catharsis, that, man, I always screw that up so bad and I apologize. <laughs> that's okay. I did the same. How do you guys like that Machine Head has a... <laughs> oh exact my same God. Name. Oh, damn he went there he went all there. right so let me go here let me let me say my two cents on this sure i love machine head machine right. head is a sick band i they're probably not even aware that we have an album called catharsis let alone of the fact that we even exist that being said our catharsis is a re-release this right. album came out before they even had the idea exactly <laughs> of, of doing that album yep that being said i wish the best of luck and the singles that they put out for it have been pretty cool so far so that's that's cool i guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah i did go there right away i apologize uh, that's totally cool we um <laughs> we had we had a lot of jokes about that when that when that first drop we're like oh man what are the odds of that as soon as you sign to a label you re-release catharsis Machine Head goes, yeah, we're dropping a new album, Catharsis. We're like, man, <laughs> this is great. all within two weeks of it. So right. it's like, yeah, it'll happen right at the same time. Uh, hey, we're signed to a label. Hey, guys, you know, one of my friends sent me a text of that, you know, Lambo uh, headline picture. It's like Machine Head to release new album, Catharsis 2018. I'm like, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> but, you know, the label kind of talked to us about it, and we all kind of, at the end, agree. It's like, eh, shit happens. People do it all the time, you know? Yeah. In the scenes that we're in, I mean, it happens on multiple occasions, whether it's song title names, you know, full album names as well. So, yeah, it's just, you're right. Oh, it was just very sure. funny. Well, Dimebag said it best, you know, even when it comes to songs where he's like, hey, man, we're all just borrowing riffs from each other, you know? No, very so true. Like, you know, that's cool. No, yeah, it's <laughs> like, you know, I've seen the same thing happen to one of my good friends' bands, uh, Hail to the King, before they had changed the Denialist uh I've sure. been sevenfold to drop that Hail to the King album, and they literally had to do a band name change because they were getting plastered on YouTube constantly from people going, hey, this isn't even sevenfold. And they're like, you know, so it, it happens a lot. It's, it's pretty wild. but No, it's very do. true. That's a really good point. I'd completely forgotten about that as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting that both of us are from Dayton, too. So I don't yeah. know if maybe there's like a, a metal Illuminati where they're like, hey, let's, let's take the Dayton bands. and <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry, my apologies were initially for having trouble saying the name sometimes. I don't know why I get tongue-tied <laughs> with it, but it's catharsis. It's not an everyday word, so, no, I mean, you know. I don't often say catharsis on a regular basis. That is very true. Exactly. But it is, like you mentioned, it's a deluxe reissue because the original album came out in 20, 2014. So Correct. my question to you then is, how did the transition happen where you signed with Tragic Hero, you put out a brand new track with it as well, Suspended Animation, which is awesome. So we'll get to that yeah. as well. But what was the reasoning behind doing the reissue in the first place? Well, it kind of comes down to one of those things where we, I think we all kind of realized that this isn't the rule of thumb for everybody. But as a band, we, I feel like we kind of got catharsis about as far as we could on our own. And we showed it to the label, and the label really, really, really liked what they heard. Right. And there's the discussion of, hey, what do you guys think about re-releasing this with some bonus tracks and getting it to a wider audience? Mm -hmm. To us, it's kind of like, okay, well, the tracks are already recorded. We own them. 
that right. makes sense. You know, it's kind of a no brainer really at that point. So I guess from there, how do you decide, okay, we're going to put out a new track on this to kind of show people where we're going. Mm-hmm. And then you also did the two extra tracks that you actually redid. I know redid isn't a great word for it. Modified. Like, what do you normally call that? And then you did instrumentals for them as well. The reprise tracks. Is that what it's called? Reprise? Okay. Yeah, yeah reprise. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So those are, um, how do I want to say it? Those just reimagined tracks. Yeah. The lyrics are the same, right. obviously, but the everything else in the song has completely changed. And they're not, those are kind of like more bonus, like different type tracks. They're not metal songs themselves, but we kind of experimented a little, a little bit and tried some different things just to kind of, you know, show show a different side of the band of what we're kind of capable of in that area right and uh i think honestly those are some of my favorite songs after listening to those they're just they have a really chill vibe to them i think they're like those kind of songs where you can just sit back and really relax and just you know drink back some tea and just (laughs) chill on them they're really good songs and i really think everybody should give those a good listen to because they're definitely they're definitely i think hold their own on that re-release for sure right yeah no i totally agree I was lucky enough to get a copy, so I've gone through it a ton of times to be able to speak (laughs) with you. Because I have heard Catharsis before, not in 2014. I probably heard it somewhere in 2015, I want to say. Never, unfortunately, got a chance to see you guys live. I'm still looking forward to doing that. But I have heard the album before. Obviously, this was a good refresher for me because I'm sure you get this a lot. People are probably like, where did it go? Because it's no longer on iTunes, no longer on Spotify. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was the hardest thing because when we were, after the negotiations with the label, when it was kind of like, okay, yeah, we're on this. And then once we had the plan of, hey, we're going to redo Catharsis, in order to get that on new distribution and wider distribution, we had to eliminate who we were distributing through at that point in time to get onto new distribution. Part of that means coming off of iTunes and Spotify and all that. And um, I kind of it it was a necessary step, but the step itself kind of it was a hard step, too, because we hadn't announced yet that we were signed. So we just it's kind of one of those things where it's like we couldn't really tell people a whole lot at that uh, up until we announced that we were signed of what was going on. And, you know, still, even now to this point, there's a lot of people, not a lot of people, but a good amount of people that are kind of like, hey, where'd it go on Spotify? And we're, we keep messaging everybody back, like, it'll be back soon, we promise. <laughs> Went through a distribution change. It's okay. It yeah, it's, be back. A, it's been a really interesting month or two, just like seeing how that unfolded. And it's kind of cool to see how many people, sometimes you don't, you forget or don't realize they're actually listening to your stuff constantly. And when it disappears for a day, they go like, you immediately get all those DMs going, hey, where'd your stuff go? Like, that's, always refreshing to see that kind of thing you know yeah that was kind of nice actually yeah it's almost like you get almost a poll done of like who's been listening to our stuff and now you've got tons flooding in so yeah it's got to feel great oh yeah it's kind of cool too because then you'll i think uh, our vocalist logan was just showing it to us you know just kind of browsing around the internet where you see people kind of discussing it on reddit with each other you know yeah and you'll see one guy be like well where'd the album go why'd they take everything down and then somebody else that's isn't has no affiliation with us for whatsoever besides being a fan is like hey you know it's cool man they're going to re-release it with some new material it's like oh thanks buddy (laughs) yeah it just gets that word of mouth out there to even more people so not only do you have tragic hero behind you who has definitely been pushing it out everywhere i mean i think those singles are doing amazing you got that but now you've got word of mouth spreading as well especially on social media that's great 
Right. Word of mouth goes a long way. So Absolutely. So then let's go back to the reimagine. That's a very good word for that. The reimagine okay. tracks there. You've got Lie Awake and My Oasis. Why were those two tracks chosen specifically to reimagine? I think that's a really good question, actually. That is a good question. I think um, for me, it kind of made sense when you actually look at the lyrics themselves and it, and you listen to the music. And I'm not saying that the music on the original version didn't match it. I'm not saying that. Mm-hmm. But those lyrics definitely could be uh, re-envisioned in a, in a totally different way. Right. Um, you know, and then obviously just some of the, particularly like Lie Awake, like uh, Logan wrote that about his fiance when we were down in the studio for a while, kind of like as a last minute. Um, it was one of those like last minute songs that I had written and had the music for and kind of was like, hey, we need vocals for this. Ah. Write some stuff for it. And so he kind of wrote some stuff and obviously, you know, I think he kind of wanted to check out, you know, the idea of, uh, you know, doing it in a different way, I guess. Right. Yeah, I think that one had a lot of meaning to him personally. So I think that was really cool for us to get a chance to redo that so he could really, you know, get that out there because that song really means a lot to him for sure. Yeah, I think you can really hear it in those lyrics as well. And when you when you mention the reimagining and how, you know, kind of chill they sound. It's hard to explain when I listen to those. I almost hear a suspensefulness, almost a kind of a creepiness sometimes with I those as well. I was going to say, My Oasis, I particularly really like because it has this element, this haunting element yes. throughout the entire thing. It doesn't sound scary by right. any means, but it, just, it creeps at you the whole time. Exactly. Yeah, I really like the way those change because what was great, and I think people will really enjoy this when they get their hands on the actual album itself, you can go and listen to Lie Awake, the original, and then listen to that reimagining and see how different that change really is. Right. Well, that was the whole goal. You know, we decided as a band that we, we've thrown around the idea of doing some tracks like like those that you've heard um for a little while now and i think we all came to the agreement of okay hey if we're actually going to go through this you know one we're going to do it very well and two we're not going to make the song sound remotely the same at all besides the lyrics right right so then where did that decision come from to also make them instrumental tracks as well I think uh, I, I think that came from like because when you I mean we when we were listening before we even attract the vocals the songs themselves were just really really cool I, I was you know I could envision almost like playing a a video game to some of those tracks in my opinion just kind of like going through like a cool little section like a shooter almost like my oasis to me I see like you know you could have like choppers flying by going into a Call of Duty game almost without sure. playing in the background so it's kind of like I felt like that was kind of cool to get those out there as the instrumental so people can kind of experience in that way too because I think they're they really hold on their own that way. Yeah. I think for me, uh, when I was writing them, I, my brain kind of approached it with two two points. One being um, it just by, by nature of the way that we write, typically more often than not, we come up with the music first and then the lyrics after. Okay. Um, and then the second thing being I'm, I'm really interested in uh, like a video game and um, movie scoring. And I oh, really nice. wanted to make two songs that were very – cinematic just musically that can mm-hmm. speak on their own musically so i think that's kind of like with what kyle's saying it helps paint that picture a little bit better right 
that's a really interesting way to look at it as well. Do you have, and this is skewing a little bit now, a little bit more off topic, but do you have any favorite video game or movie in particular that you really love listening to the score for? The scores, uh, I really like Michael McCann. He did the uh, soundtrack for Deus Ex. Oh, sure, um, okay. Love that. Um, I'm really into Hans. Everybody loves Hans Zimmer, but I really liked what he did with, um, what the hell was the name of that movie? Dunkirk. Yes. You know, I was actually, not to interrupt, but I was going to bring that up. I had, I'm not sure if you know the band or not. There's a band called Charlatan on Revival Recordings. Their lead vocalist, Gray Sorensen, has been on the show a few times. And we just did an anniversary show where he specifically mentioned Hans Zimmer with Dunkirk of how much he loved that score, just in general, oh. just how it was put together. Yeah, no, that that entire score is, yeah, I mean, I'll listen to it while I'm, you know, doing, you know, some business stuff at home and stuff like that. It's, it's just, it's perfect. <laughs> no, that's really interesting. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. And by the way, I should say to people that don't know, realize I didn't do the intro because we were talking about Walmart, but Evan is the guitarist and vocalist for Eternal Void, and Kyle is the guitarist as well for Eternal Void. Yes. Yeah, Tread yeah. Bros. Tread Bros. That's <laughs> what it is, man. Wait, say again? The Shred Bros. Shred Bros. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. I didn't know if I heard that correctly or not. Awesome. I like that a lot. Like shed Bros. I mean, we are in Ohio, so who knows? But <laughs> I mean, who knows? We may end up in a shed metaphorically to deny the cops, you know, in a <laughs> car. But I mean, other than that. <laughs> Fingers are still crossed. I'm telling you, man. Oh, Part two funny. episode. It's going to happen. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Let me ask the reason why I did that was to then ask you for those new tracks where you're doing instrumentals and you do the reimagining, both being guitarists, how did you decide to change around everything that you had done previously on the new tracks? Um, hmm. Define how you mean change around, I guess. So everything is different in those reimaginings, correct? Except for the lyrics themselves. Yeah, correct. There, there might be one or two little guitar licks here and there mm -hmm. that are kind of more like oh hey that's reminiscent of the song but besides that everything else is different yeah so in that different part how did you decide to do it that way was it like writing a brand new song almost um yeah <laughs> it was actually kind of difficult because it was like okay i have this the set of lyrics and we have no idea what the patterns of or the melody of, of those lyrics are going to be right so i'm just going to go through the song and i i, I think for me um, I kind of almost like took the original songs and sectioned them up in a way and kind of tried to just approach e each section of like, okay, this is the vibe I'm getting of this section. What is the, what am I trying to get, get at over here? What's the point I'm trying to make with this new version and kind of just approach it with each section and, you know, just kind of um, see how it went from there. I know Lie Awake in particular was a little bit more, okay, I'm going to take each section of the original song and reimagine it in a totally new way and then, you know, put it all together and it's going to create a similar structure in mm -hmm. feel. Um, I kind of, uh, I did my Oasis second after uh, Lie Awake and I kind of tried to approach it in the same way, but I think very quickly, you know, after within that first riff, it, it just took on a life of its own where it's kind of like, oh, okay, this is turning into something different. Whatever, fuck it, we'll figure out how to make the lyrics fit it because this sounds really cool. Very nice. Do you guys work together when you do something like that? 
on that one, um, Evan definitely spearheaded that one. I didn't uh, get to actually take part much in the writing of the those redos on that. Sure. But um, yeah, here on some of, on the stuff we've been working on for the new album, for that coming out, we've been doing a lot of collaboration and kind of like you know showing riffs here at band practice or you know via you know, Dropbox or whatever that be, whatever the medium is. Yeah, it's um in our genre of music, like I don't I don't know maybe it's just me, I. I in particular have a, a easier time at home uh, with my Pro Tools rig and all that, kind of writing out some more of the complicated parts. Okay. Whereas, you know, Kyle said it best when me and him were talking about it one at one point. Some of the heavier songs or some of the songs that have more of a groove, it's better to do those in person when you got you know a loud amp and a drummer working with you that can kind of you can feel it. You know. Sure. Because yeah, for me, my biggest thing, you know, in writing is like. You know, you can write a riff at home and it just sounds killer, but when you get to the band practice space and you're playing it live, if it doesn't vibe, it's, you know, I, I like a song that no matter what's going to translate in the live setting because that's when people, I think, feel the song the best. Right. And that's what, that's what I'm all about. So I love making sure a riff sounds good in that live setting. That's the biggest thing for me. And that makes sense for sure. So correct me if I'm wrong on this one, but Evan, you started the band with Dylan, correct? Loosely. So <laughs> Dylan started the band. Okay. Yep. I, me and Dylan were in another band together that broke up. Right. And di- this was originally a side project of Dylan's. And I was kind of like losing my mind because I wanted to play music. Um, couldn't find a band that really sparked my interest. And so I kind of <laughs> reached out to Dylan. and was like, dude, let me be in your band. And he was like, uh, conveniently, he's like, well, we're having some issues with this one guy, you know, why don't you come out this day and we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. And, um, you know, since then it's just been, I've been in this band. So, but before that, I mean, me and Dylan have been playing forever, basically. Right. And then you did go through an evolution of the band of sorts. And then Kyle, did you join in 2017? Yeah, I, I joined, um, I don't know. I'd say, was it, july it was summer it was was summer it was in the summertime yeah i joined i've been uh i've been friends with logan all through high school and actually uh logan's first band logan was ever in was uh, me and him earning together it was like this band when the sky burns it wasn't it never got really big or anything but it was like this thing we had done back in high school back when we were like freshmen in high school and i'd played music all through high school with logan and then kind of went off to college did that whole thing you know got my education on and then you know (laughs) finished that and was like hey you know i want to get back into music and it was about that time logan i just happened to message logan and was like hey what's up and he's like hey man you know uh, we're looking for a guitar player you want to come by on band practice on sunday i'm like yeah send me some guitar riffs so evan sent me i think it was defiance i just went and learned it came to practice played this with them and they're like all right well here's a few more songs and then learned those and the next thing you know i was playing a few shows with them and they're like hey you know you want to be in the band for real and then that's just kind of how it went so yeah. it was kind of cool to reconnect with logan and do everything and to be with these guys i've right. been a fan of them for a while so uh well we've known kyle in the scene for a little while you know me and him had a fun fun thing there for a while where <laughs> he would always call me matt tuck purely because of the fact <laughs> i have long dark hair right. and i guess i'm skinny i don't know in a nose ring and you know <laughs> Look just like Matt Tuck back in 2009. But so there for a while, we'd play the same same shows, and uh, I'd see Kyle, and he'd be like, "What's up, Matt Tuck?" And I'd be like, "I hate that guy." <laughs> 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 no, he's cool. I like him. <laughs> That's good. Well, 
the reason, and that was a great story, by the way, the reason why I, you know, went through that history lesson there was because I just want to see, since Kyle, you're a little bit newer to the band, how you guys both work together now to make the new music that you were talking about. Like, how is that now you're shred bros? So how is that camaraderie? I think it's been pretty cool. It's like um, Evan's one of those guys where it was interesting for me because when I, back when I was in high school, I had this guy, John Deaton, and he was kind of like my, my guy, you know, like you have that guitar bro, he's your bro. And we were really good at guitar bros. We always vibed. And then I went off and went to college and did a few other things musically. And I never really found somebody that I vibed with on that same level again. Mm-hmm. And then when I was having playing with Evan, it's like that kind of that came back, you know, and I had that again. And that's been really cool. It's, it feels like it's like, that's my other dude, you know what I mean? So that's been that's been really cool having Thanks, that. Man. Nice. I really vibe, I really vibe with Evan, and I really mean that. So it's like that's really cool because it's hard to find somebody you just feel like that. Like when you're on the one side of the stage and they're on the other, like you know they got you covered, and you know it's it's a great feeling. Yeah, it's, so. it's kind of nice having somebody else that actually plays the parts correctly, and not to say that any of the other guys <laughs> have never not played their parts correctly, but there's just a I don't know. There's a certain element you can have somebody that can play their ass off, but then you you know, the level of feel that goes there, I guess. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Well, that's, I mean, that is close because you guys also are a very technical band. So you have to have that trust in the other person to know not only are they playing everything correctly, but that you guys are going to work well off of each other. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't want to call us a guitar band necessarily, but that's a huge part of the sound, I feel. Yeah. I mean, well, you don't have a bassist, so you're definitely a guitar band for sure. True, very true. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> you, you got a good one in there. That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> well, it's the same or similar. I brought up another person who had been on the show earlier, but I don't know if you know Jason Wisdom, who does Death Therapy, but he was in Becoming the Archetype. His new band, he's a bassist, and he has no guitarist in the band. And he just oh. tunes, yeah, he tunes his bass so that it sounds like a guitar. Interesting. Striking back, I see. Exactly. <laughs> it's your reverse. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's awesome, though. That is That's really cool. cool you can do that, though. Yeah. I mean, people are doing great things with bands that you haven't heard yet, which is awesome. That's why it was one of the quick things I noticed, and I had to, when I originally listened to Catharsis, I didn't pick it up right away. And like I said, I haven't been able to see you live. So I contacted Kathleen and go, I don't think they have a basis, but I need to confirm that with you. And she was <laughs> like, "Yes, you are correct." So yeah, and, uh, that's, a, that's a funny story because uh, it's uh, and they, they told me I guess this happened with other guys that had in the band previously. But when they went without the basis, like I think the first show or two I went to, because everybody you know in the scene knew Evan was like the guitar guy in Eternal Void. So like the first two shows I played, I had probably two or three people come up to me and be like, "Hey, man, you sounded really good on bass tonight," and I'm like. <laughs> Man, this guitar has six <laughs> strings on it. Um, I was like, yeah, thanks, dude, but I'm, I'm, the, I'm the other guitar guy. They're like, oh, because, you know, so many people are just used to seeing a bass player on stage. A lot of people just don't realize, you know, but it's pretty interesting. Was there a reason behind that besides maybe, you know, not, you know, whatever basis didn't work out in the past, but for the sound that you wanted, that you really only want that guitar sound, what was the process behind deciding to do that? Truthfully, <laughs> um, the last bassist that we had was a phenomenal bass player, and we kind of been through a couple different bassists. And you know, I 
who knows life happens there's a million different things we don't we're no ill will against anybody but um the last guy that we had was super 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 good at bass and then eventually it was kind of like hey guys i got some stuff going on in my life right now love the music but i gotta i gotta work on me you know sure and so we were like we're, that's cool we get it and we still talk to this day um saying jackson that's for you buddy <laughs> but um i think as a band we kind of all made the decision of like well I don't know if there's anybody in our area that's looking to be in a band right now or wants to be in our band necessarily that can beat his skill level. So let's just ah, do it like this. Right. <laughs> okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't it wasn't just like a music sound thing. It was more Is that a necessity in a way? Wow, interesting. Is it's like, you know, you don't you don't want to go and play a show and then you know, just have a basis just to say you have a basis on stage. If it's if the performance is subpar and it affects the show, you don't want to do that. So exactly, and so that's that's kind of where that's been at. So you know, if somebody, you know, kills it and crushes it, who's to say? You never know. We may have a bass player playing again. It's just right now. It's just it's been better. Just you know, having the bass tracks and the stems from like the last album or whatever. We just you know reamp those out live through sure. an actual bass amp and everything, and just to go that route. If you know for now, right? So. So for new music that you're working on right now, is that entirely focused on both of you on guitar without bass tracks, or are you still going to do bass tracks that maybe one or or you bring in someone outside, but they wouldn't tour with you? Well, it's kind of always been. Um, I don't know, I'll just take this one. It, it's always yeah, it's always been. Um, I, I do a lot of the writing in the band. Okay. And I've always also been the one that kind of um, guides where the bass tracks have either gone or, in the case of Catharsis, I recorded the bass tracks myself. Oh, okay. Um, not, you know, Brian Hood was the producer, but I, I recorded the bass on that album. Yeah. As well as the guitars, um, minus some of the leads. But, um, yeah, so in my mind, I'm approaching it the same way. I always approach most of the writing with, you know, guitar in mind first because I'm a guitarist and then come back through and go through with bass and kind of okay. go like, okay, this is kind of what I'm thinking with bass and just kind of track it out. And then like Kyle said live, we just reamp whatever it is I tracked on bass. All right. That makes sense. So yeah. So it's not a completely different direction with new music. It's going to be more similar to what you've done in the past probably. Uh, in terms of writing, yes. In terms of sound, I think we're aiming for a way more mature sound. Oh, but... so by the way, Let's focus on that because I find that extremely interesting and we've had debates on the show and that's why when I hear that word mature because I <laughs> wanted to ask suspended animation is I would say possibly more mature but it has a lot more clean vocal spots in it. Is that what you're talking about with mature? What actually does that mean to you? Uh, well... I mean, we might have two different definitions of it. For me, mature doesn't necessarily mean more clean. I've never okay. viewed it that way. All right. For me, mature means stronger songs, songs that are better written. Okay. Um, not to say anything on Catharsis was written badly or anything like that. There's, right. I love all the songs on it, but um, you know, you you kind of you want the dynamics to be more dynamic. You want the heavier parts to be heavier. You want the ambient parts or the clean parts to sound more ambient and prettier, you know, whatever it is you're trying to aim for. And so it's kind of uh, adding, me and Dylan always call it adding more syrup to the pancake. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I think just, you know, making the, the journey musically from beginning to end of the album a lot more interesting, a lot more dynamic, and a lot more cohesive, you know what I mean? Just 
Well, I think I think that's what it's about. I guess an example for me when I think of a, a maturity of a band, it's, it's, you know, it's Avenged Sevenfold's uh, uh, Wake in the Fallen to their City of Evil album. I mean, that was like a huge, when you listen to City of Evil, I mean, I don't know if everybody's a fan of that or not, but that for me was one of those albums that there's not a bad guitar riff on that album. There's not a bad drum track on that album. Like that right. entire album was just a masterpiece, you know, front to back. It was just so well cohesive beginning to end. And that's, Kind of like that. That's just one example I think of. You know, of maturing out, sure. not necessarily doing all the clean vocals. How they went, how they got rid of all the screams in right. that direction. But oh, it just it had that you know next level to it. And that's kind of what I think we're thinking here on that. I think uh, another one that comes to mind too is like Metallica's "Kill 'Em All," oh, and sure. then you could jump to Master of Puppets. It's right. still thrash. It's still metal, but Master of Puppets is going to kill "Kill 'Em All" any day of the week. <laughs> you might get yeah. hate mail for that. That's fine, whatever. That's cool. It is what it is. So. <laughs> very true. Well, it is. It's just very funny, and I guess I certainly don't mean when someone says or when I say a band has matured, I never mean that that means they've added more clean vocals or anything like that. But that seems to be the word or the term that a lot of people online, when you're having a music debate with someone, that a lot of times people will use for any time that a band changes their sound to, you know, no uncleans or like very minimal uncleans. They'll be like, oh, the band matured. And I've always found that strange because I don't believe that's the right term to use. It's, I mean, you make a good point. I, I totally agree. It seems like a lot of people use that word mature almost, I'll just say it. It almost seems like sometimes people use it as a cop out in a way if they For just sure. don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. But I think it's also a valid term if you use it correctly obviously but um yeah i mean you see people do that all the time online or even just in interviews where it's like oh well there sounds more mature right. like oh well this is okay so weak weak is what mature means or can mean sometimes for people but no in our case it's it, there's still going to be cleans on the next album just like there was on catharsis the heavy songs are probably going to be heavier than nice. what was on catharsis you know, <laughs> we're still doing the the <laughs> stuff that we're doing now. Right. Well, it all sounds good to me because I do love the album Catharsis. So if you're telling me maturing means heavier heavies, clean vocals, unclean vocals, more cohesion, all that kind of stuff, like that all works for me. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's for sure. So what I also wanted to ask, I mean, I have plenty still more to ask, but what I did want to also hit on was, Evan, you do the backing vocals as well, correct? Correct. Okay. So now, Kyle, do you do any backing vocals or any vocals on the tracks at all? Uh, not not currently, but um, one thing I have been uh, working on is uh, going through the Zen of Screaming, uh, you know, that Melissa Cross thing. A couple yep. other things along those lines, because Logan's uh, been wanting somebody to, you know, potentially help out with backup screams and stuff, so we can maybe, you know, do some layering kind of stuff live potentially coming forward. So I've been kind of working on that in my own time as well. So, you know, we don't, you never know that may appear on the next album. You know, it could possibly be potentially a thing down the road. So that's something I've been working towards personally on that. Very nice. But, yeah, that'll lead into some of the questions I have then because I did want to mention originally Logan was going to be here tonight and he wasn't able to make it. I was going to ask him some vocal questions, but I can ask you guys as well. Sure. Logan obviously has a great vocal range. He does those high wails, the lows, the harsh mids, and then he also does clean vocals as well. So, Evan, what amount of backing vocals do you normally do? And then also, Kyle, since you're working on some, you know, you're doing the Zen of Screaming, like you mentioned, what type of vocals will you be doing possibly too? 
Um, for me, the types of vocals I do, it's kind of strange. I'm a very good uh, yeller, like hardcore yelling. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't say I'm very good. There's a zillion you know screamers out there that are way better than me but that seems to be out of everybody in the band i seem to be good at yelling not screaming yelling sure um so as you've heard in some of the tracks i do a little bit of that and um just in terms of like clean singing in general logan has a naturally higher voice than i do to begin with right um and a naturally cleaner voice too i have a naturally lower voice and everything sounds when i sing a little not raspy by any means, but just a little bit dirtier than what Logan does. So, you know, why not use it to our advantage, right? Right, exactly. And then what about you, Kyle? I think uh, for me, I think what I've been noticing, at least in my voice, is um, I think I'm really good or, or decently at the like that that mid to high, not like a super high kind of thing, but like kind of like that mid high, just real aggressive sound. So yeah. I think, you know, because Logan's, he's got those gutturals down really low. I think Logan's, Honestly, like he, I don't think he showcases his highs enough. Honestly, because he's so so good at highs. But um, yeah, I think you know, there's, there's a point where he wants to hit those super hardcore lows and needs some good mid-level highs. You know, backing those up, I can definitely, I think, hopefully, that's the, kind of the goal is to get in that range and do some of that kind of stuff for sure. Nice. Did Logan pass any information on to both of you, like how to take care of your voice or you know how <laughs> to make sure that you're ready to do it? Um. Not until recently. So recently, we all kind of sat down and had the talk of, you know, hey, Logan, um, show us what you know type of thing. Sure. Um, obviously, just, you know, with playing a lot of shows and stuff like that, um, you know, I've, I've blown out my voice not a million times, but more than I want to, to where it's kind of like, hey, I know I'm doing this wrong. Show me how to do it right. Right. Um, and he's great for knowing the science behind that. Now, before that, it was kind of more of a, have you ever heard of the throat coat tea? I have actually. Yeah. So we'd be on like little three or four day runs and my voice would be going out and he'd like shove some in a bottle and just chuck the bottle at me and be like, chug this, gargle it. Okay. We're, we're going to go play. It's like, all right, man. <laughs> yeah. I actually kind of wish I am getting sick right now. My voice is not normally like this. So this is a little weird for me. I wish I had that as well. Well, we hope you get better. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, man. Just, uh, just take, it, take it easy, you know? Nah, never. <laughs> well, it never happens. Not when you're doing this many shows, for sure. And, I mean, you guys have it even worse than I do, and I know Logan has it worse than I do. It's just one of those things where it's like the weather. You know, it's 10 degrees one day, it's 60 the next, and then it's back, and it just fucks with you. Yeah, as a, as a guitarist, I never really thought about that until I started, like, actually working with Logan, you know, really regularly at shows and stuff like that. And yeah. just seeing small changes in climate from show to show, it's kind of like, dude, this shit, like, really affects you. Like, okay, this actually makes a difference because, you know, a vocalist's body is obviously their instrument, you know? Right. So that's, it's, it's different from a guitar where you can just tune it up, you know? Yeah, like, you know, if you break your guitar, you know, your guitar, you know, something messes up with it, you can just replace it, but you can't replace the vocal cord, you know, right before a show or anything like that. So it's, it's a lot more critical taking care of that. So I'm really glad Logan definitely kind of tries to hold it down as much as possible. Oh, good. That is definitely good to hear. Well, what do you guys do for shows in general? Because I'm assuming, and I was going to ask also, you know, in support, of the re-release of Catharsis, I'm assuming you guys are going to be going out on tour soon, right? Yeah, we got a little run booked in April, um, and then we're working on some other things. Uh, I don't think we're really allowed to discuss a whole lot yet, but um, we're kind of 
working on a couple different things and then obviously you know naturally with you know writing some new stuff here and there which you know right now the main the main push is getting catharsis out to a wider audience so i know that they're you know planning on putting us out on the road for a little bit to obviously push that but um nothing i can officially say for yet how about that (laughs) for sure but then i guess the question would be then for this you know small upcoming tour but then whatever you have in the future what do you guys both do to prepare for something like that? How do you guys get the set list together? And then now with you not only working on vocals, but also working on, you know, all the technical guitar work that you have to do while you're playing, how do you get all set for that? Uh, just like warming up before shows and whatnot? Yeah, and I and look, I'm not a guitarist. I play very mediocre guitar. I'm a vocalist, if anything. So... When I think about all the technical work that you're doing as well as all the changes in tempo and dynamics that, you know, people haven't heard catharsis, they will hear it soon and they're going to know what I'm talking about. You guys have a lot of structure, a lot of parts that you have to know by heart. How do you actually get that done? I just I worry I'd forget everything. I I know for me, uh, it's just uh, repetition. I try to run this set at least one time a day mm-hmm. if not every other day oh wow my free time when i'm not writing or whatnot you know just uh you know gotta break out a tux guitar i know i know evan uses guitar pro six but i mm-hmm. use tux guitar because it was free and it's kind of like one of those hipster things <laughs> but uh you know yeah just run through it you know you can then you can slow the tempo down a little bit to 75 percent running as that i think when sometimes you have to play slow to play fast. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'll, I'll run the set really slow at 75 or 80% just to really get those notes fine. And then when you run it back up at 100%, it's just you just play cleaner. So doing those kinds of things, just consistently doing it, keeping it in your head and not just going, okay, I'm going to stop playing the set for two months and then play it seven days straight before I go on tour and then hope it's going to be good. Because I feel like if you just a little bit over time constantly, mm-hmm. it just leads to better things long term. Yeah. Sure. I think a lot of it comes down to like you said, we're doing a lot of technical stuff and then doing other stuff with the technical stuff mm-hmm. in terms of vocals, not to mention at the end of the day, you're trying to put on a performance, you right, know? Right, right. And um, a lot of it just comes down to muscle memory, man. I mean, it's a lot of work, but the more you do it, the more natural it feels. I think a lot of it, too, comes back to uh, Dylan basically being a machine on drums to where yes. <laughs> anytime you're kind of remotely like, I just fucked up or I'm lost, which, you know, luckily at this point we're, you know, knock on wood, doesn't happen too often. Right. Um, you can kind of listen back and go, okay, okay, Dylan's here. Okay, we're good. So, <laughs> but like, Dylan's the kind of guy where, like, you you never hung out with Dylan, but if you if you spend just an hour with Dylan, he'll go, go to his house, he's sitting at his drum pad doing rudiments, and then you go grab some coffee, come back downstairs, he's still doing that. And then, like, you know, he'll he'll watch – dinosaur movies doing drum rudiments he's a big dinosaur guy all right. like you know he's just he's always constantly playing and i think practicing and i think that's something that ever since even since i've joined i've just i've been i've just naturally like picked up on that even more because it's just you're watching dylan he's just a machine because he practices every day and i think that's right. the key to it all it's just constantly keeping up on it yeah in terms of before the the show itself just physically mm-hmm. uh obviously You'll get some weird looks every now and again, or people think like, "Oh, they're you know taking it super serious." But I don't think I think the people that kind of look down on like stretching and stuff like that are people who don't play that often. Right. Um, but yeah, no stretching is huge. There's nothing worse than you blow out your back and your neck one night at a show, and then you realize you still got four or five more to do or whatever right. in a row, and it's kind of like, okay, you know, 
His stretching yeah. alleviates a lot of that. And then obviously Logan is a lot better about, you know, taking care of his vocals than I am, but I'll, I'll even at, at a bare minimum, just start walking around and just humming different ranges and tones and stuff sure. like that to kind of wake up the vocal cord. And I think, I think another good thing is uh, just going through the gear, you know, before you head out, just make sure all your, your cables are working. You know, you got your power supplies for your pedal board, like all the, the, the rag gear on running into your amps. Good to go. Just kind of, you know, checklisting all that and really having a science behind when you get to a show, how you set it up. It's the same every single time. Make that routine so you don't get to a show and have some mishap and now your amp's not working. You're, you're having backup plans for all of that kind of stuff, too. Because, right. you know, obviously gear goes out. That, sometimes that happens and you always got to have a plan B. So having those prepared so we can avoid as many issues there as possible also. Yeah. At the end of the day, a lot of the, you got to be accountable for your own set and your own sound. So a lot of it, you know, kind of comes down to you as an individual as well as the band of making sure everything goes smoothly. If something happens with the PA, yeah, that's not your fault, but there's a lot of stuff on your end that you can you know, avoid to make sure that the show is solid. So right. that's kind of that. <laughs> no, that's a very good point. And then I guess just one more note on, you know, touring and doing shows. How do you guys decide on the set list? Um, on the set list, it, it's – so we learned this over the years. I know – you kind of get a, a better feel for the songs over time of, hey, this is going to translate really well live. And, hey, this song sounds really good, but it might not translate as live live that well. I mean, mm-hmm. we like to keep the set pretty, you know, energetic in terms of pace. And there's a lot of dynamics in it, you know, with a lot of the ambient parts of the songs. But right. we like to keep, you know, the energy going the entire time. I think with the way that we have the set set up now, it's kind of similar um in terms of megadeth where if you've ever seen megadeth live they don't spend a whole lot of time in between songs walking around not saying anything or taking a breath or taking a piss you know it's kind of say what you got to say on to the next song let's keep the show going they came here to see music you know right 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 i realized that i never (laughs) i've been so focused on talking about catharsis and everything going on that i never even asked you guys about your background in guitar and music in general as well. When did you guys both start playing guitar? I was seriously playing guitar. I was 13. Nice. I got my uh, I got my first guitar um, when I was I believe 12 cuz um I mean, yeah, my grandma, I believe, had got me a guitar from like Kroger's or Kohl's. It was like literally a grocery store guitar you'd buy huh. off the wall for like 50 bucks. It wasn't even right. fancy. It was like a <laughs> sure. little, you know, 10-inch $5 combo amp speaker i mean it was worse than a line six you know 112 right right thing. it was it was real real bad but <laughs> you know, that's what i got because i was just and, and it was weird it was probably one of my weirdest things back when i was first playing guitar that i thought i thought if you wanted to have a distortion tone mm-hmm. you had to have a guitar that had the headstock that had the three knobs on the top and three on the bottom i swear to god i don't know <laughs> where i picked that up like obviously real? i, I, I that was the stupidest thing when I was a kid. When I was when you're 12 years old, you, you see stuff like that. Like I saw like Sinister Gates, you know, had like that. And I'm like, right. oh, that's why his tone sounds good because his guitar looks like that. Yeah, I didn't know. <laughs> we had very different guitar uh, yeah, background. Yeah, no, no, but I mean, I, I I wised up really really quick. You know, ended up getting really into the Guthrie Govan and John Petrucci's kind of thing. But yeah, that's a, so that's, that's that's when I started playing. For me, my um, I started seriously playing guitar when I was 13, but my um. I don't even know who got it. We we had this like little youth. Um, it had like twelve frets. It was like a little youth acoustic guitar that popped mm-hmm. up one day. I think my grandparents got it for like uh, the three of us kids. 
and I remember I learned how to play uh, Satisfaction by the Rolling Stones on uh, it, which is like three notes. Yeah. But um, I figured that out, and then I never really did anything else with it uh, for a long time. And then when I was 13, you know, 13 years old, I was like, okay, I want to play guitar. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I helped my, my dad roof, um, roof a house and took the money from that and went and bought a Crate Strat copy. And Crate is uh, actually a guitar amp company, but apparently right. at the time they had very cheaply made Strats available. <laughs> I did gotcha. not know Crate had Strats. That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I still have it. I'll bring it sometime. Yeah, I want to see that. Show me that. That's cool. Play a track with it on stage. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. I don't know about that. It's it's a bad shape, man. <laughs> but uh, Yeah, that's really cool. But yeah, I think uh, what's my musical journey? It was like, I bought my first guitar actually uh, by bailing hay because I grew up in I, I grew up in the country actually like in the middle of the, the sticks like you know corn cobs for miles I did ten years of 4-H showing animals at the fair actually won reserve grand champion market chicken one year sold two Congrats. little birds for twelve hundred dollars so that was pretty <laughs> damn cool you know I was like holy shit you know hold on you... hold on <laughs> you sold two chickens to buy a guitar <laughs> no, yeah yeah no I sold I I raised market chickens. Apparently they had the two most similar breasts in the entire fair, quote unquote, <laughs> and the judge had to fill them up. And then he goes, "All right, well you're getting reserve grand champion." Sold them the next day, you know, for twelve hundred dollars, and bought us bought us a guitar rig and stuff. So that's kind of how that went. Wow. You know? I oh my goodness. in all of my life <laughs> yeah. I've never heard a story like that. Yeah. yeah that's- that's impressive. That's the first time I've ever heard that either. So. No, no. I'll I, I bring the banner. We can post the banner on Instagram or something this week. So, yeah, that was a real thing. I got the banner. I did it. It was cool. And uh, So, yeah, I bought my first guitar. It was, like, I, it was an Ibanez Saber series. Ah. And, and, I, and I actually I sold that, I think, two years ago, and I've, I've regretted it ever since. So, if anybody's listening to this podcast and knows where that Ibanez Saber series is, it has a little claw mark on it. If you can hit me up with that, that'd be great. I would definitely be willing to buy that off of you because – I want Damn. that back. It has Seymour Duncan Blackout humbuckers. I had modded <laughs> in it. It was it was a slick, slick guitar, man. It was really cool. I miss that thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's really interesting on many accounts. So I also, <laughs> my first guitar was an Ibanez as well. Um, and I don't remember what style it was. I have Zach Wilde's signature on it now, so it's at home. I don't oh, touch that yeah. one. Yeah, you don't want to take that out then. No, no that no. was, I met him one time, got him to sign it, so that is home. But also, you mentioned living out in the country is that ohio still yeah yeah, yeah it's uh i live in this county it's called Preble county yeah so it's uh it's real small you know we have i think one walmart in the entire county you know so that's pretty cool that sounds and, uh, like, so familiar yeah, sorry not to interrupt you but now i don't remember ohio that well anymore but i used to live there in southern ohio in jackson is that anywhere near oh you're east of us then okay oh, that was east of us yeah. yeah yeah that's where i used to live so when you talk about walmart that's seriously a story that i've told people we had one walmart and that's where well, all the kids hung out in i mean to be fair we're we're sitting at, at that walmart parking lot <laughs> yeah, <still. laughs> walmart is legitimately a big deal in ohio for real it's like it's the place to be i think you know it's, <laughs> it's... <laughs> you cannot escape walmart in ohio that's all i can say about that you cannot escape it it's there very, very true <laughs> <laughs> well then what i also have to ask them which was by the way that was a fantastic story but now evan how are you going to top that did you win some weird state fair or something no and... 
No, I busted my ass and roofed a house with my dad, and he paid me for it, and that was it. <laughs> I didn't sell any chicken. Hey, you think bailing hay is easy shit, man? You know, come on. Get on a hay wagon. It's tough. <laughs> no, I was I was 13 years old, and I don't know if anybody's ever roofed a house that's li- listening to this, but it's a good time for your back. It's, right. It'll build up your back muscles for body banging and head banging in the future. Um, no, I mean, I, I roofed a house with them, and I been bugging the crap out of my parents saying hey i want a guitar and i think you know my mom growing up she introduced us to a ton of music but i think they kind of saw i had the fire in my eyes so to speak and they were kind of like well let's you know let's let him do this and then we'll pay him and then we know he's going to buy a guitar so we'll help him out with that and um yeah that's kind of that my dad used to be a drummer um I can't remember the band. I think it was called Rebel Yell, which was after some kind of whiskey or something like that. But that sounds like uh, it was the seventies, man. Billy Idol, right? <laughs> Billy Idol. <laughs> no, goddamn it! <laughs> but uh, but um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's the, I didn't sell any any chickens or you know travel the lands or anything like that to buy my guitar like Kyle did. Apparently, well, I remember you talking about roofing. But I thought maybe there was some crazy story where you fell through the roof and you landed on this magical guitar and somehow it would make that story better than his. Yeah, like just... the, Excalibur, the Excalibur guitar just rose from a secret room in the, the house. Yeah, I wish that would happen. No, I mean, I don't know. I, I wanted a guitar and I needed to get money to buy it. So I did that. And conveniently, you know, my parents always listened to awesome music and introduced us to awesome music. So naturally, working on a construction site, there's music, and my dad was in control of it and playing all kinds of cool shit from Neil Young to Ozzy to uh. Pantera, just introducing me to all this stuff. So it was kind of like a, hey, this sucks, but <laughs> this music sounds cool, and I really want to learn how to play guitar because this sounds so awesome. Right. Uh, no, that's that is really great. That is really great. All right, guys. Well, I think I got most of the music questions out of the way here. Obviously, we're going to talk a little bit more at the end of the show about some music things that we definitely want to settle down. People need to know, and I think I said it before, we'll say it again, Catharsis, the deluxe reissue, comes out on March 2nd through Tragic Hero Records. There's pre-orders available now. We'll definitely hit that at the end of the show. But what I wanted to also mention and also talk about is that obviously I have the other podcast where we go through a lot of other stuff. So I want to ask you on your, you know, quote unquote free time when you're not practicing and you're not putting stuff down for new music and working movies, TV, books, whatever, LARPing. I have no idea what works for you guys. <laughs> um, for me, I don't know. I like to I used to like to read a lot. And then obviously, you know, life happens and you just get busy. So I haven't been reading as much as I like to, but I've been trying to get back into it. Mm-hmm. Um. I I handle a lot of lyric duties and I think reading books as dumb as that might sound to some people or not dumb, but as lame as that might sound, reading books definitely helps you write lyrics. Right. 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 Um, Love movies, love books, um, love video games, but don't play them as much as I used to just honestly don't have the time. Sure. Um, And then hanging out with family, you know? Nice. What about yourself, Kyle? I think for me in my free time, I, uh, I love watching anime. I, I wouldn't call myself like a, a super like super hardcore anime guy. I know Logan's definitely more to anime even than I am. Like, he gets into like the really really hardcore stuff. But like the only like super anime fans have heard of. But I I really do love watching like you know classics like Naruto or 
you know, I get a Dragon Ball Z or, or you know, sure. any of that kind of stuff. It's like those fun shows. I think everybody's seen those. I love, I love those kind of things. And then, um, I love to play GameCube. That's one of my uh, my guilty pleasures. <laughs> I hate the Wii. I really do. <laughs> all right. I, I think it was the worst system of all time. But uh, the GameCube, something about the GameCube for me was just a classic. Like Mario Kart Double Dash. Yep. Favorite, one of my favorite games of all time. Smash Bros. Melee. Like I could kill that stuff for days. So that's I could smell those death threats coming. Uh, <laughs> I mean, maybe Nintendo fans are pretty hardcore. So I'm sorry, guys. I just I didn't get into the Wii, but the GameCube, timeless. I don't. I feel like it never got enough shelf life. True. Because it was a really weird time for Nintendo. You know, like they came out with the GameCube, and then really shortly after the Wii dropped, because that was right about the time Xbox 360s were coming out, PS3. So I feel like the GameCube just it never got enough love. I think that it should have. So. I've always been really sad for the GameCube. That's one of my favorite systems. So I love the GameCube. And then uh, I love to work out. Actually, here, the last couple of weeks, I've been, I started Insanity, you know, that Sean T oh, thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or whatever. So I've been doing that. So I'm uh, doing week three this week. So I have to get some before and after picks. Hopefully it works. It's kicking my ass. So <laughs> that's, been, that's been pretty hardcore. Should we yeah. tell them about Dylan? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell them about Dylan, yeah. So, so Dylan's not here, but I'll speak for him. Right. And Dylan's free time. Dylan really really and when i say really i can vouch that he oh yeah likes this more than anybody listening right 100%, now yeah loves dinosaurs and fossils and rocks yeah, archaeology <laughs> all that shit dude. he is so into that so at the rehearsal space dylan has a collection of sad rocks ah some right. of them look really cool the other ones i don't know what the hell they are <laughs> um but he loves rocks and he likes hunting for rocks and like Kyle said earlier, we'll practice on his drum pad while watching Jurassic Park every Sunday night. That that, that is religion to him. It really is. Like there is not a Jurassic Sunday. Park one, just Jurassic one. Park, yeah, right. yeah, not two or three. They're not as good as one. One is like yeah, two wasn't time. bad. Three sucked. But yeah, what do you think of four? Eh, it had some cool reminiscent moments, but I mean, nothing beats the original. That's just right. how it is. No, yeah. that's very true. Do you guys call him Ross from Friends a lot? Say it again. Do you guys? Oh, now nah, I'm repeating a bad joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes are always best uh, the second time. <laughs> no, oh, Dylan. Dylan. I don't know. He's a interesting man. <laughs> gotcha. Well, it sounds like I mean you guys have a pretty interesting band in general. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. Everybody really is like brings their own character to the band. I don't think anybody's quite the same. Like, everybody has those things, those commonalities, but everybody's really is their own individual personality right. in a lot of ways. And I've, I've, I've been finding that really refreshing. It's like, you know, when I'm hanging out with Dylan, it's a totally one dynamic. And then when I hang out with Dylan and Evan, it's a totally different dynamic versus when I hang out with, like, Dylan and Logan or whatever. So it's really kind of cool to just have everybody all just kind of has their own little vibe going. It's really cool. Nice. And by the way, before we even move on to more of that stuff, I did want to mention... I, too, had a GameCube. I still have a GameCube. And the reason why I still think it has one of the greatest games ever on it, Resident Evil 4. Oh, yes. oh fuck. I forgot about oh, that. Yeah. Oh, my God. I have that, too. Yeah, that's, that's one of those. Res- I think that was the last Resident Evil, in my opinion, before the franchise really took a turn for the worse. Oh, yeah. I mean, for you'll, sure. you'll give me, I mean, maybe there's people who thought 5 was good. I played it. I played I did 6. Yeah. I did all that. I even, I even bought 7, hoping it was going to be like the older ones. But it just... I've not played. Seven. Yeah, so seven was it was good. It had a lot more scary jump vibes, but yeah, four 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 for me was really really a really good game. It just I don't think they could have ever topped four in my opinion. That was so good. Man, I have four for PC, but honestly, and I even went and bought the game like a game pad to yeah, play yeah. on my PC. 
It's not the same. No, man. it's not. <laughs> no, there was something about, and I know they remade it for PS4 and they remade it maybe even for Xbox. I'm not exactly sure, but there was something I about. Did. Yeah, there was something about just the GameCube version for some reason just really hit at the right time. Yeah, it really did. Like you know, everybody's favorite guy, the guy who's like what can I get for you kind of guy, you know, pulls the curtain back, has all the cool ammo and stuff yes. like that guy, yep. little merchant dude everywhere you go. It's just, that stuff was classic. You know, that was, that was new to the franchise then. And that was really interesting to me. Yeah. Cause that was a huge resident evil guy growing up. I, uh, I had, I played zero, one, two, three, code Veronica, all yep. of them. I've, I've played every single resident evil. That's probably actually my favorite video game franchise of all time. So, oh, very nice. Yeah. I really, 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 really love that. I, I grew up when I was a kid, um, back when I used to live in this place called Middletown, I lived in an apartment, and the next door neighbors would babysit us, and uh, that's all they had was like Resident Evil horror games, Silent Hill stuff. Oh so wow! That's what we would go over. That's what I would go over and play when I was when I was being babysat, like you know, <laughs> or whatever. So, I, I guess I just kind of like I grew up on that. Really, that explains a lot. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that explains a lot. So. Right there. Yeah, that's true. Well, then, Evan. So you mentioned you don't have as much time for video games, but do you have a favorite series like you know? For me, it's Final Fantasy. That's definitely my favorite. Evan, do you have For any? Me, by far, hands down, Metal Gear Solid. Ah, very that nice. That is yeah. my shit. I love it. If you, if you haven't played it, I'm not going to say anything that's going <laughs> to ruin anything for you. But do yourself a favor. Buy it. Message me. If you catch me on a good mood, I might buy it for you. Wow. Play the damn series. <laughs> now, the whole series? The whole thing, yeah. I Holy mean, shit. granted, there's some like Peace Walker, eh? That yeah. that was good. It's an it's it's important to the story, but you know, it, it that whole series is so well done, just in terms of the gaming and the story and the cinematic scenes and all that, and the music. Everything about that that series was perfect. Very nice. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, I think people really should because I do think that's one of the even though it's a very popular thing. Like, when you say Metal Gear Solid, people know what you're talking about, but that might have been a series that never caught on as much as it could have. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I've, I've never make, played Metal Gear Solid. Well, that's so. what I was going to say. Like, you make a good point. Like, you say Metal Gear Solid, and everyone knows Metal Gear Solid, but then you catch all these people that are like, well, I've never actually played it. I don't know. And they never made an actual movie out of it. Like, it doesn't have that. You would think that that would be something that they would have co-opted. You know, they made Resident Evil movies, they made Final Fantasy movies, they made tons of movies based on video games, but they never made a Metal Gear Solid movie. It kind of makes you wonder if maybe, and I, I'm just spitballing here, but maybe since the games themselves were so cinematic, especially like once you got up to um, like Metal Gear Solid 2, how they really started driving those long cutscenes and stuff like that. Like maybe people are afraid to approach it for a movie. You know, they don't want to mess it up. Well, they have no problem messing everything else up. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> you make a good point. <laughs> That's a good argument. Yeah, Metal Gear Solid definitely was one of those franchises where everybody's heard about it, but not everybody has really experienced it. It's kind of like a mystic thing out there in the video game world. You have to have a good point on that. I never really thought about that. I hope now, though, with your endorsement, that people do pick it up more. I mean, I think I played until, I want to say, whichever one came out for PS4. Metal Gear Solid 4? Yeah, I think, yeah, maybe just with 4 and 4. That was my last yeah. one I played, I think. That one was pretty good. Yeah. Um, took a little bit to get into, and by a little bit, I mean like maybe 25 minutes to get past the beginning. Just sure. get a feel for the new design of the game. Right. Do yourself a favor, man. Play it. 
you won't regret it. Right. No, very true. Very true. Well, look, guys, I think we are going to call it there. What we're definitely going to have to do is when new music is coming out, you know, after Catharsis, we're going to have to get into a lot more like songwriting because obviously, Evan, you mentioned that. We have a lot more that we definitely can get to, but let's leave people in suspense. And since you guys didn't get arrested, we can still do a part two. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the cops, yes. the cops all disappeared now, so that's pretty exciting. They're all gone. <laughs> we survived that. See what happens when you don't tackle women and steal their purses? Yeah, I, I still can't believe that happened. I just, what an what idiot. The hell? <laughs> that's great. And you know what? You are correct. Everyone should learn that lesson. Don't do that. That's not cool. <laughs> not at a Walmart, man. Not anywhere. Just don't, well, don't do, do it. it don't, don't, don't do it. Just don't do it. Eternal Void it's says, cool. don't do it anywhere. Yes. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> but yeah. Well, let's make sure that everyone knows the deal once more. The deluxe reissue of Catharsis comes out on March 2nd through Tragic Hero Records. There is going to be a pre-order that's going on right now. So you can go ahead and pick yourself up a merch bundle. Let the guys know that you're getting the album. It's such a big deal. Everyone knows first week sales are so ridiculously important. So if you get those pre-orders in, that helps a lot. And I know Evan and Kyle, you guys wanted to say something to all your Eternal Void fans. Yeah, we, we honestly just want to thank all of the fans out there. We know that sounds super cliche at the end, but it, for real, it really means a ton to us over the years, all the support that we've gotten. And, you know, even just to talk to people or have people message us, you know, saying, hey, I, I bought Catharsis when it first came out, but I'm buying it again because I love you guys and there's new music and new artwork and everything's just, you know, they, they want to support you, you know? Right. Um, so we can't thank you guys enough for all of that and, you know, like I said, message us. We always message people back. We make it a point to. We might not get back super quick sometimes, depending on what we have going on, but we always make it a point to get get back to our fans about things. So, you know, if you want to have a conversation, just hit us up. Yeah, you know, and I'd like to thank just, you know, everybody and anybody that I've touched in any music project I've done or any, anywhere along my journey, really, anybody who's helped me to you know, get to the, the point I'm at today. I think we can all thank a lot of people. Because with all with a lot of those people, you know, you just don't even realize they just touched you in a certain way and, and put us where we're at today. So it's uh, really cool, you know. Thanks, everybody, for everything. Absolutely. Well, once again, guys, Evan, Kyle, Eternal Void, thank you so much for being on the show. I am going to have links in the description of the episode so that everyone can pre-order Catharsis. So that way people can get in touch with you on Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, all the social medias. But until then... What is the best way for people to support you? Honestly, pre-order the album, come out to a show, and if you can't do either of those, even just following us on our socials, Facebook, Instagram, listening to us on Spotify, even if you have the free version, follow us on Spotify, listen to us on Spotify. Little stuff like that doesn't cost anything to anybody. It takes three seconds to do, and it means a lot more than you think. All right. Well, guys, once again, I had a lot of fun on this conversation, and we are definitely going to have to do it again. I can't wait for, for new sure. music. I can't wait to hear if you're coming to Boston on a tour, and I'm looking forward to once again, even though I've been playing Catharsis over and over again, I can't wait till everyone really gets a wide chance to hear this because I really do love the album. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. We Thanks, really, really enjoyed this interview and really want to do it again. So, it, was, it, was totally it was a good time. Last, man. It really was. Awesome. I love hearing that. So once again, guys, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.
And welcome back, everyone. The track you just heard was another one from Catharsis. That was With Time. So damn good. Big thanks to Evan and Kyle for coming on the show and being so open. That was really a lot of fun. And I'm looking forward to the next time the guys can come back and talk about all the new music that they're working on, whatever tour they have coming up, pretty much everything. Also, a big thank you goes to Kathleen for setting all of this up. It's always great working with Kathleen. She works with such great bands. I know I've said this many times, but make sure to pre-order and pick up the deluxe reissue of Catharsis. It comes out March 2nd through Tragic Hero Records. First week sales are so important. I know you know that, but it needs to be reiterated. So there are links in the description of the episode so you can do just that and more to support the guys in Eternal Void. Also, if you liked what you heard, you can support Ian Hate shows by following the other links in the description of the episode. Thank you so much to everyone who supports the show, and thank you once again to Evan and Kyle. We're going to end tonight with the newest single from Eternal Void. This is Suspended Animation off the deluxe reissue of Catharsis, and I will leave you the way I always do, long days and pleasant nights. Thanks, everyone.